Hi, and welcome to episode 228 of No Crying in Baseball, the No Sexy Poses episode. My name is Patty. I'm here with my friend Potty Mouth. Hi, Potty Mouth. Hey there. Oh, man, I didn't look at that. No Sexy Poses. Uh, you're ruining all the fun. Well, let me kind of just tell you it's an art joke. So oh, okay. I spent my day yesterday much better than you did. Sorry. Yeah. But um, I went to, well, a shopping mall for God's sake. I haven't been to a shopping mall since the before times. But um, one of the shopping malls around here uh, was hosting the traveling exhibit of the Sistine Chapel. So they've done these reproductions of the artwork that's way the hell up on the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. So it's eye level. So you can get close to it and look at all the detail. And a friend of mine invited, two of my friends invited me because back in the early 90s, mid 90s, I, I went to the actual Sistine Chapel with them. Wow. So we thought it would be pretty fun to go together to the, you know, reproduction eye level Sistine Chapel exhibit at a freaking shopping mall. We believe it was in an, in an old Abercrombie and Fitch, which was really kind of odd. But the, the no sexy poses thing is, I don't know if you've ever been to the Sistine Chapel. No, no, I haven't. But, but the international symbol for don't sit on the floor and look up because people are all around you. Yeah. It looks like the woman on the back of the, the truck um, mud flap. Oh, yeah, the mud flap girl. The mud okay. flap girl is kind of like, you know, looking up and, you know, a little bit, you know, arched or whatever. And it's, it was a big, like, you know, international don't do That's this thing hysterical. there. So uh, we just completely read that as no sexy poses. So we actually yeah. referred to yesterday as sexy poses Saturday <laughs> because there were no such problems there. We could pose sexily all we wanted. And frankly, we just can't help it. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yes, oh, that, that was like a that sounds like a lot of fun. That was my day. Do you want to share any of your day or no? Sure. Yeah, I'm going to be I, I I do mostly as a caveat to dear listeners if I sound a little off today, which you know, I'm working on this beer so I'm doing my best to get back to normal. I had a little bit of a, a tumble the other day on some ice, which led to a couple of doctor's appointments and a, a brief emergency room scare that ended up being totally fine and I'm just basically uh, banged up. Ouch. Yeah. Sprained stuff. But, you know, there's beer and beer is ex effective, I think, in this department. Yes. And yes. we'll bide my time until I want to just crash out with painkillers before bed. That was last week's episode, wasn't it? Was it? <laughs> right. <laughs> I should be more thematic. Oh, damn. Oh, no. Oh, well. Well, you know what? I do have something to toast to. It is Dominican Independence Day today, which is Sunday, February 27th. Yay. So a lot of our uh, favorite Dominican players are posting all sorts of Independence Day festivity. And uh, I want to raise my glass right now. Cheers. Cheers. So on today's show, we've got... An, a, a short but nasty police blotter. We've got the CBA negotiations, which feature words like hostile, outraged, and furious. We've got boyfriends and the Chicago White Sox and the Milwaukee Brewers, and we've got international baseball. So let's let's get the, the, the real nasty out of the way first. All right, quick police blotter. And this is sort of like, it gives me a little hope that things will be better for the future. We've talked about our baseball boyfriends in the past when when things get dug up from their um, younger days, like on Twitter, and maybe some offensive slash homophobic racist tweets come up. And that's when we, we cut guys off, you know, if we see anything like that. And I'm just glad to see that the Red Sox are also doing that. So I'm hoping that for the future, teams are going to just nip this stuff in the bud and not put up with guys who are being assholes on social media. Uh, there is a minor league player, Brett Netzer, in the in the Red Sox organization. He last played for the Portland Sea Dogs, their double-A team, in 2019. He had a series of just fucked up tweets. You know, one was worse than the next. And as soon as somebody reacted, he said something else, just batshit stupid. And the the articles that are summarizing it are saying that he was released after a series of racist, homophobic, anti-Semitic tweets. And his reaction, and he retweeted one of those, was that, uh, yeah, he admitted to the first two, but the third one he thought was a little out of control. He didn't feel like he was being anti-Semitic, even though he was targeting Chaim Bloom for very Jewish reasons. And uh, yeah. So. And he was giving Kyle Bloom crap for being supportive of the LGBTQ population right. and, and people of color and all of that. So yeah. He, and the interesting, one of the interesting things about this is all of those tweets were in a very short period of time. Yeah. And so there were people that thought he just got hacked. Right. Because there was so much so fast and he just got on there and so I was like, nope, this is really me. Yeah. I'm really a racist. Yeah, and the Red Sox really investigated that, too, because, you know, a hacker could probably do something like that, too. But they did, 
fact check it. And it was really true. The interesting thing is he last played in 2019. So yeah, missing 2020 is clearly a thing for most minor league players, but he was on quote, the restricted list. Have you ever heard of a restricted list? Yes. And they don't always tell you why they are on there, why players are on there. Sometimes they have, um, uh, gone against some rules that, um, yeah, they, they may have, they may have broken rules, which means you can't do anything with this guy for some period of time. So interestingly, he was on that for all of 21. He didn't play for 2021. He's just spent three years in the minors and his overall average was 263 in, uh, in double a, he was going to 47. So whatever, you know, they, it was probably, you know, I wonder what would happen if it had been somebody who had like crazy, wonderful stats, would they have treated it any differently? I, you know what, the extent that he, like, once somebody says on Twitter, I am a racist, yeah. that is a, that quote, and then says, no, that's really me, because I am, you, you got nothing. Right. There's the, yeah, they could, they would have had no, no yeah. option there. I don't. So he's still going. I mean, he's still tweeting stupid shit, and people are reacting to him. He, interestingly, he doesn't seem, like you said, this, like, came just all together. He wasn't such a big Twitter guy. Last I checked today, and this could have mightily changed by the time you hear this, he was following three accounts, and there were 398 people following him, which is way fewer than follow us. So, you know. Well, yes. I mean, <laughs> well, let's just, you know, considering the descriptors about this guy, I really hope so. Right, right. So I think people are luckily that's I guess that's a good sign because it's it's making news, but people aren't following him because of it. They're probably yeah. just checking in and reading those words for yourself. You you really don't have to at this point. Just just trust on this us on this. Dear yeah. Listeners. Yeah. I, you almost wonder if he was like trying to bait the Red Sox or something. It's like Right. right. You know, from you whatever happened last this. year. Yep. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's move over to the cheery news about um, contract negotiations in Major League Baseball. Um, And I want to shout out friend of the show, Sarah Sanchez of Bleed Cubby Blue, because she wrote a really a terrific essay that helps explain the problem with people brushing this this whole negotiation off as billionaires versus millionaires. And so who cares? Right. Because, you know, Mm -hmm. they all have more money than God. And, you know, what I just just play the damn game. So she said it's actually billionaires versus thousandaires. And she actually breaks down the numbers. Um, she said in 2019, fewer than a third of the players on the 40 man rosters of, across Major League Baseball were millionaires. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's a that's a much smaller piece. Players who make the 40 man roster for the first time, they haven't played in the majors yet, but they're on the 40 man roster, make forty six thousand dollars. So those are the guys that you were talking about who wouldn't be able to play now in the minors, right? Because they that's made right. the forty man. So that is a yes. It. And so they're they're you know living off of last year's forty six thousand dollars. Are you living off of last year's forty six thousand dollars? I've kissed mine goodbye. I, I, oh I yeah, mean, that's long right? gone, long gone. So because she writes, you know, she's she writes for the Cubs, lar- writes about the Cubs largely. She looked at the Cubs roster for last season to work these numbers, but it's a pretty good microcosm of. Major League mm. Baseball teams. So of the people who played at all um, in 2021 for the Cubs, 73% of those players with any service time made less than a million dollars. 73%. This is not millionaires versus billionaires. This is a mm-hmm. couple of millionaires and a bunch of other people. So um, it, it, yeah, it was, it's, she breaks it down actually pretty far. There's only a couple who have like the amazing salaries, the, mm-hmm. the crazy outrageous salaries. And most of them are like, at least half of them are at the league minimum. And then there's many more who are on this, like this 40, this 40 man category. So it's worth a look. We're going to link to it. So you can say, well, next time you're talking to somebody says, Oh, all these people are rich. And you know, the point is, yeah. Okay. So stop talking about the kind of car Max Scherzer is driving up in when he gets right. to the negotiations, because he's speaking for everybody. He's not saying, give me more of the pie. They're fighting for the young guys. You know, most of the things that they are fighting for is getting more money to the younger guys starting yep. out. Yep. And, you know, this is solidarity. This is important. So focus on that. Um, they uh, The league keeps kicking back when sp- spring training games are going to start, but they're doing it like three games at a time. Oh, and now it's March 8th. Yeah. I don't care. I don't care. They're never going to start. So stop that. I don't care about that. Right now, opening day, and you know, we're recording on Sunday. The league said, well, if we don't have an agreement by the end of the day on Monday, you know, kiss opening day goodbye. We kissed opening day goodbye on December 2nd when they, they locked out the players. 
So again, I mean, you'll, you guys will know more, know more when you're listening to this because of the timey-wimey nature of recording two days before you hear it. But my guess is nothing happened to save opening day. Well, and it just, it's so shitty how they're framing it because they literally have the power to make it not happen. They just yes. don't have to lock the players out. Like if they could just keep doing everything they're doing and let baseball happen. Rob Manfred actually said that canceling game due to a lockout would be, quote, disastrous. Well, then don't do it, bud. Right. Right. Just, just don't do it. You can just just decide, okay, let's not oh do my that. God. Right? Oh, my God. And, and the union is, like, not falling for this crap. They said, okay, if you guys cancel these games, no way are we going to talk to you about expanding playoffs or putting advertising on the uniforms and doing all the mm -hmm. stuff that you want to do to get more money because you're basically just, you know, lopping off people's salaries. And it's not yeah. just the player salaries. If those games don't happen, how many people work in a stadium? Right. Minimum wage or not much more. Who pours you your beer? Who cleans up after you? Who shows you your seat? Who takes your tickets? All those things. Those people aren't going to be working either. Yeah. And already businesses in Florida are freaking out because they're not yes. getting the tourism that they would be having right fucking now. Like and for right some now. of them, this is like when they make their money for the whole year. Yes. Like yeah. if they have a good spring training, they're okay. They'll stay open. Yeah. But you know, this is when, it, this is like the Christmas shopping season. This is like the, you know, this is like your yeah. you know, Black Friday, whatever it is, but, and it's not happening for these guys in Florida either or in Arizona too. Right. Wow. I had to stop and have a, have a sip of beer. I'm, That's I'm, understandably. I say That's I'm such a something. lovely looking beer. It's called A Woman After My Own Tart, and it's <laughs> a sour it. with raspberry, elderberry, and hibiscus, and it's be very beautiful, and it's from a local brewery called Franklin's, and I was very happy to be there this weekend, and it's very delicious. Okay, so more about this. Okay, so the both sides came in, negotiated every single day last week, and, and on Friday, there were these little glimmers of hope being tweeted out and being shared like, ooh, there was some movement on both sides in a way that makes us think something is going to happen that's at least a little bit helpful. Right. It's a little bit helpful. And that was absolutely crushed on Saturday. So the things that were like almost agreements, like on the draft lottery on Friday, they said, OK, we can we can move on this. This is going to be good. On Saturday, the league comes back and says, oh, no, we're going to tie that to expanded playoffs. Other things they almost agreed to, they said, OK, we're going to tie this to, hey, I have an idea. How about we get to make on field rule changes? Only giving you 45 days notice instead of a year's heads up. Plus the union has to say, yeah, OK, we'll do that. What? So yeah, so they 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 get this movement that they think is a real is real movement on both sides, and then the league says, "Well, that and," and they attach something else that the union doesn't want. Do they just not want to play baseball? I don't fucking understand this. They're losing money too. I don't get it. Yes, indeed. So like the union came back on Saturday with a comprehensive proposal that had concessions and everything. They were giving up things like top to bottom, like really making an effort to say, okay, we're going to, you know, we, we, good faith. We are trying to bargain here. And the league said, yeah, we don't believe this is real. This is stupid. So here's a, here's a bad faith proposal from us. They said that the union proposal wasn't real because the league had already told them they're not going to budge on those things. So why are you even trying that? Oh my God. Be because they're negotiations. The Washington post article on this said that Owners would rather cancel games than allow more players to become arbitration eligible. Like the 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 union already cut way the hell back on that. They cut back on that again. Like every week we've talked about it, it's been a fewer, a smaller and smaller number mm -hmm. of of extra guys to become arbitration eligible. And the posting, oh yeah, no, they don't want any of that. Really? So the players were were absolutely pissed because they had worked really hard on this and they had showed actual movement. Oh, and the man. league said, Yeah, we don't believe you. So the the words that were used to describe the meeting were included things like hostile and players were outraged and players were furious and players stormed off and almost weren't going to come back today to negotiate. But then late, late on Saturday I said, yeah, of course we're going to come back because we are invested in this. We are trying to do our part to make this happen. So yeah, I mean the, the league has been behaving so badly that the players almost just completely walked away from the table. That's so depressing. So the reason I'm currently wearing my um, my Freddie Freeman T-shirt right now is because the Atlanta Hammers are owned by Liberty Media, which is a publicly traded company, which means their financials have to be made public. The, huh. there's, there's been a problem all of this time. Like you, you, no one is ever really sure. Like the the um, the teams 
like they cry poor. They say, right. oh, we're losing money. And they, no one can prove it because they don't have to release any of their financials, their private wow. companies. But Liberty Me- Media is not. So they just released their financial documents, which means they have more than enough money to pay Freddie Freeman anything that he would absolutely hmm. want to keep him forever. And they should. But it also really, it, it completely negates any of the crying poor that teams have been doing. The Atlanta team, made a record $586 million in revenue this past season. And for perspective, in 2019, you know, the, the previous non-pandemic year, mm-hmm. $476 million. So, so they're making bad. boatloads more. They're making boatloads more than they did two years ago, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, and this season, most of the stadiums weren't at capacity for at least the first month or two. And so this is not as much as, you know, if, right. if they had been at full, at full capacity the whole right. time. So they netted like, $111 million netted for the season. Come on, you are not poor. Do you remember that Rob Manfred a few weeks ago said, oh, you know, being an owner of a baseball team is way riskier than playing the stock market. Well, it's not because <laughs> really? we have public documents to prove it. And, you know, you can you can see wow. them online for yourself. So uh, thank you, Liberty Media, for being a publicly traded company. And uh, this is very well timed. Yeah, totally. You know, I was thinking, well, Atlanta had a banner year, you know, the playoffs that probably helped and stuff. But when you talk about the reduced stadium size, like I think that's the key there, that even if they did have a banner year, so much of it was limited that that it's got to at least wipe it out. Well, and that banner year, you know, it it really pays off the following year because the the hammers posted, oh, you know, we've have a record number of of season ticket holders for the coming year. Too bad they won't have any games. But, you know, that that makes more people (laughs) want to come the following year because they know how good the team is. So this year could be even better. Right. Which which makes me also realize, folks, cancel your MLB TV subscription that renews automatically. Hopefully you're getting this message in time because there is no reason and don't buy any tickets yet. Definitely don't buy any fucking tickets. There is no reason to give your money to Major League Baseball anytime soon. So avoid it at all costs. Don't buy shit. Just wait. Just wait. It's going to you know, it'll come around eventually. You'll get the hat, but don't do it now. Don't do it now. Don't do it now. Hey, let's talk about the guys because what we want is for, you know, there to be a fair deal agreed to so all these guys that we like can start playing baseball and we can have fun. Yay. Yeah. So we talk about baseball boyfriends every week. These are the guys we pick in the offseason because they're cool. We're doing one guy per team. So we do two teams a week, one American League, one National League. And we're working our way up and we don't have that many left. So we started with the worst records and we're getting we're getting pretty close. Do we get two weeks after this? Two weeks. All right. Correct. Well, this week we have the White Sox and the Brewers, which I was momentarily excited about last week until I realized, like, once again, one one of the caveats of our baseball boyfriend thing is we have these rules that we can't keep them from year to year, except for one, one guy we get to hold over. And we've already each done that. And so, like, you, you do get to the pickings are slim kind of thing. And with the White Sox, my go-to usually is to to check in with your brother-in-law who used to be a White Sox fan until he very, very understandably wrote them off last year because of Tony La Russa. And, you know, I don't blame him at all. And I would like to, I, I would hope that I would do the same thing, but I, I don't know. It's so hard when your team does, does not do well by you. But I did check in with him on my guy, Leori Garcia, because he's been there for fucking ever. And I was like, all right, you've been around for a while. What do you think? And he said, and like the problem with Garcia is that he's used as an excuse to not get a better player. And I was like, oh, that's kind of harsh. You know, like basically he plays any position, which I think is, is a good thing, but he's not stand out at anything. And I guess the White Sox kind of use that as an excuse to not, invest. But I'm going to come to his defense because I just think he's a really wonderful guy. So he might actually be playing second base this year. I mean, clearly with the lockout, we don't know who's doing what as far as acquiring players. The White Sox might go after a second baseman or they might just put Leori in there. He is super utility. He has played everything except for catcher and first base, which I thought was a really weird combo. Like usually here, catcher and pitcher, but he's pitched at least twice for the White Sox. And then I don't know how many times in the minors. Um, 
so that, you know, that manager guy, I don't want to have to say his name too many times, likes him because he says he just wants to help, which makes him ideal. But the other thing he said, which I, I don't get, said he's not a utility man. He's just a regular who plays all over. Well, when, isn't that what that utility is? Maybe that word doesn't mean what we think it means. I, <laughs> I thought it did. I mean, but, Come on. The good thing is that he's been able to fill in with some major injuries. And last year, I guess the White Sox had a bunch of injuries, including your guy, Tim Anderson, at shortstop. He filled in there. He filled in for my guy, Luis Robert, in center field, and a whole bunch of others. So I like that, that he is willing to play anywhere, and he's cool with it, like that he's just willing to do what it takes to play baseball. I love now, like my thing is looking at videos of the guys to see like how they talk and stuff. And there's this cooking video with him, which I found super oh. endearing, where he was asked to cook something that he likes to cook. And he talked about how when he was in the minors, like, you got to cook. He's like, we don't have any money. You're cooking what you can. So he has this dish called tres golpes, which literally means three hits. And I don't understand why there are five ingredients because you think uh. it would be just three. And he did say it's salami. So I figure you can do a vegan version of this and plant mashed plantain with butter and egg. But then he also fries cheese and avocado. It actually looks absolutely delicious. And he knows, like, while he's cooking, he totally knows what he's doing. He probably made that, like, every day when he was playing the <laughs> minors. But while he was there, the, the woman who was cooking with him and interviewing said that what she's heard from his colleagues or, you know, other players is that the thing about him is he plays with great joy, which is a huge baseball boyfriend thing for, for me. Sure. That he's just happy to be there and he exudes it. And the other cool thing about these interviews is he, he talked about when he first started out and he was 17 years old when he came to the United States from Dominican Republic for the first time to play baseball. And holy shit, is that scary? And he even said to his parents, like, with the money I get, I'm coming back home. And they're like, no, you're not. You're like, you're there. You're playing baseball. But he talks about that story, the classic thing of you don't know what to order. So he would go to Chipotle and like sort of be able to get by at Chipotle. And he said he found a McDonald's where there was a Mexican cashier and he just went there because he could order because he didn't right. speak any English. <laughs> oh. So that was back in 2009 when he was signed by the Rangers. He was traded to the White Sox in 13, in August of 13. He played 20 games at the end of that season and made opening day for 14. So he's been with the White Sox since then, doing what he has to do to play when he can play. He pitched soon after he got brought up in 14. He pitched the 14th inning. And so here's the other sign that I was supposed to pick this guy. A lot of his major moments came with the Red Sox, which is, is my team of heart. So he pitched the 14th inning in a game against the Red Sox. And I'm very happy to say that he got the loss. Like, you know, love to the baseball boyfriend. But I would rather see my Red Sox win. He led up two runs on two walks and a double. So then he got his first home run in June of 2014 off of Josh Beckett, who was one of my one of the Red Sox pitchers I used to admire. But luckily, Beckett was on the Dodgers at the time that he gave that um, that run up. Beckett, of course, one of my faves from the 2007 World Series. That was his killer year. Didn't do so well with the Dodgers, including this example. Um, he missed most of 2020, Leoris, that is, due to a thumb injury from a poor decision. He he went a headfirst slide into first base. And you really, you're not supposed yeah. to do that. Like yeah. I even, yeah, dude. But it just shows the the energy and the, the intent he's putting into it. His first walk-off home run was this past year, 2021, off of the Red Sox, <laughs> off of Garrett Whitlock. <laughs> It's so piling on at this point. It, it is. It is. But it's fate. You know, I'm just taking it as, as writing on the wall. The good thing that I like in the baseball boyfriend category is so we, what we do with these guys is we do our, our fantasy team after it. And it helps if they stay with the team, because once they start moving around, we can't have two baseball boyfriends on one team. Things get awfully complicated. But he should be with the White Sox. He just signed a three year contract right before the um, the whole lockout situation. He signed in December of twenty one. So he's on a three-year, $16.5 million contract. I'm happy to see that. Nice. He uh, played a lot of Dominican ball for the Gigantes de Cibao, who were the winners this past year of the Dominican series. He played starting in 09, same year, started playing for Lidom. He was in the World Baseball Classic, my absolutely favorite international tournament in 2013 for Dominican Republic. 
And he was in the Serie del Caribe that we were just talking about, Caribbean Series All-Star in 2015. And he was the captain of the Gigantes in 17 and 18. Had to give it up in 19 because apparently that's when the White Sox said no more winter ball for you. So it said he, he couldn't play anymore starting in 19 because of a deal with his uh, major league team. But I, I love the Dominican connection. Um, speaking of Dominican connection, I always try to look for, you know, do-gooding with our baseball boyfriends. And I did a Google and I found a foundation under Wait, his you name. you did a Google? I did a Google. You did I a did Google. Google. Okay, thank thing. you. All right, I'm going to drink now. <laughs> After doing a Google. So I saw, like, I just, you know, Googled Fundacion, you know, just to see if he was connected with it. Like, foundation, it didn't come up, but Fundacion in Spanish, it did. And there's this registered in the Dominican Republic, Fundacion Leoni Garcia. And I was like, well, what's it about? And I couldn't find any more information until I got to the end of this, oh my God, fabulous interview with Emilio Bonifaso, who was a pitcher. Who actually, no, no, outfielder, outfielder. He was with the Nationals at the end, like 20, I think, before he stopped playing. But he was all over the place. Amazing interviewer. He's got such charisma. And he has all these great interviews with these Dominican players. And he asked him about this foundation. I was like, oh, my God, now I finally get to find out what it is. And basically, it's aid for the the area he's from. He's from El, El Campo, which is like the countryside in Dominican Republic, where people are very poor. And it's basically, I mean, I don't know how to donate to it. I think he has, he needs to work on that part a little bit. But he does have an official nonprofit foundation to help people in the area of the DR that he's from. He is married with two lovely kids, Leila and Leori Jr. And uh, and I'm I'm happy about this guy. I I don't know. I'll talk to your brother-in-law and see. See see what happens this year. It's going to be the breakout year. All right. Is this like, like revenge for me, like pre-gaming with Mr. Potty Mouth last weekend? Like you, you oh, went maybe. to my source for this? <laughs> instead? Yeah. Okay. Fine. Yep. There fine. We go. Fine. Hey, my White Sox guy um, has a has a, a, a Breaking Tea t-shirt that says, holy sheets on it. Oh, so man. That, I, so I that blew should, that. That, that wow. should be enough. But it's yeah. not. There's more. There's more. I, I'm going with Gavin Sheets, who's 25, and he – Initially, he was drafted to play first base, but now is looking at um, right field for hmm. the White Sox. He is a local boy to us. He's from Lutherville, Maryland, which is basically Baltimore for our purposes here in this conversation. Um, he is the son of Larry Sheets, who, from, among other teams, played for the for, for the Orioles for six years, which is why hometown is pretty much <laughs> Baltimore. And apparently he got to visit dad at work a lot when he was a little kid. So he was at Camden Yards, at Orioles Park at Camden Yards, a lot as a small child on the field with his dad in the dugout, hanging out. Um, at 13, his dad sat him down and said, you know, you might not want to pursue baseball because you're really a lot better <laughs> at golf. Ooh. And right. um, he's, uh, he did, that didn't stick. So it, and it's, it seems, seems to be turning out okay. Mm -hmm. So he went to um, the Gilman School in Baltimore, which is a, which is an all boys private school. And his dad ended up being the um, the the head coach, the, the baseball coach there, which was actually a little harder on Gavin than it would have been because it's one of those things where like if your if your parent is in charge, they want to make sure it doesn't look like they're favoring you at all. So you have to go through oh, right. a lot. So um, one of the other things that happened there was he, one of his classmates is uh, Ryan Ripken, son of Cal Ripken. Oh, that's so adorable. occasionally, you know, Cal would assistant coach for the baseball team, which is oh my God. pretty cool. Pretty cool. That's crazy. So because of various connections, he sometimes during high school took batting practice at Orioles Park at Camden Yards with, you know, Jonathan Scope. And so <laughs> they are now, you know, they, they play against each other in, in the bigs, as it were, and they joke about that in those old days. Um, so he was drafted actually by Atlanta in 2014, but went to Wake Forest instead. Um, and in his summers, he played in the Cape Cod League one year and the Cal Ripken League, which is our local oh. league here. One year, we played for the Baltimore um, team, which doesn't exist anymore oh, in, the, in the league. Yeah. Okay. But so it was you know, two summers of, you know, of collegiate, like, you know, the summer ball. Um, in 2017, he was drafted in the second round by the Chicago White Sox. And that's when um, the other part of our story begins. So you know, minor leagues and, you know, fine. And then not great and mm -hmm. really not great. So in 2020, when there was no minor league season, the best of the, the minor league crew, you know, were assigned to these alternate sites, right. Just kind of be available for the team and to keep training. He wasn't picked for that. Oh. So it's like, Oh, mm -hmm. Oh. And his dad sat him down and said, okay, 
right now you're not that guy for the team. So you need to think about what you want to do. If you need to get, if you want to be that guy, what do you need to do? And so he basically had like this whole makeover. He um, went from like being like a power hitter only to a much more versatile player, right? So he did this workout program, lost more than 15 pounds. He worked out with um, the former O's like strength and conditioning trainer. How do they know these people? I can't imagine why. Connections are nice. Yeah. Right. And he did, he, you know, he and his dad went out and his dad just, you know, hit him fly ball after fly ball after fly ball. And he got fast and he got agile and that made him attractive as an outfielder instead of just a first baseman. And so that fall, the White Sox basically said, wow, look at you. Look at you go. You're on the 40 man. So he went from nothing at all that summer wow. to made the 40 man. So, of course, you know, then he started in AAA Charlotte. His debut was this past summer in June. He debuted in right field, which was not what he expected because he was hmm. drafted as a first baseman, drove in two runs, and then homeward the next two games. That's so, a good okay, way this to is started. This is all right. But, you know, the, he, that was all you know, not in Baltimore because he's playing for Chicago, but they do come, in fact, to play at Orioles Park and Camden Yards. Mm-hmm. So his family got to see him in person for the first time as a major leaguer Aww. at Camden Yards. And um, there were so many articles referring to this as his homecoming, because even though he was playing for the visiting team, you know, this was his this was his debut as a big leaguer for all the people that he grew up with, for his hometown, for the plate that the ballpark he grew up in and all of that. And uh, he did, in fact, homer in his first game at the yard wow and, that's and he so said cool he said my dad was the first person i saw when i touched home <laughs> because he was sitting in the front row in cal ripkin seats wow. so but he said you know it, it was such a special moment to like actually like be able to look him in the eye you know yeah. crossing home plate and having that oh that God. moment so apparently he's got a little bit of a second dad in jose abreu um huh. who apparently like really does take in take the younger guys under his wing when they become part of the white Sox. but he's, he says you know you need anything you come to me they talk hitting they do all kinds of stuff together which is pretty cool um you you know occasionally you hear about um special rookie duties that you have when you're new to a team and one of them is singing on the bus <laughs> so he needed to make a good impression because he said if you don't do well singing on the bus they make you go stay in the bathroom on the bus and those are not nice. nice places but um he he uh went for journeys don't stop believing oh backseat hairbrush backseat hairbrush our favorite band name that's <laughs> and, awesome and apparently he did all right he did all right um i approve of his uh twitter handle which is clean sheets <laughs> there are references to him buying his sheets at bed bath and beyond and i swear to god i don't know if it's an actual endorsement or it's just a joke because his last name is sheets but my favorite thing on his twitter feed that i found was um there was some random clip of his dad from 1985, you know, hitting in Orioles Park and knocking in all the guys, you know, right? And he said, this is great to see. I thought all those games were in black and white back then. Oh, my oh! God. Back in 1985, I was going to say, I probably know those guys. Holy yeah, you do. Shit. We referenced at least one of them above. But, um, oh. yeah, so I think he's going to be super fun to watch. So Gavin Sheets, Chicago White Sox, he's my guy this time. All right, we'll see what happens with those White Sox. All right, on to the Brewers in the National League. I am going with Tyrone Taylor, who I first looked at just because I thought that was a pretty cool name, Tyrone Taylor. And apparently a lot of other people do because doing a Google search for Tyrone Taylor, oh my God. There are oh, so now many... it's a Google search, not just doing the Google. Okay, I did that for doing the Google with Tyler, <laughs> Tyrone Taylor. It was crazy. Like there's Tyrone, there's a lot of like messed up Tyrone Taylors out there who are making it on Google, but not this one. This is this is the good guy, but it took a little bit. Sorry Ow. about that. Ow. <laughs> and you're now you're the one laughing or, or yeah. ca- uh, owing because of laughing. Owing. Yeah. All right. Tyrone Taylor. Uh, I so that what I did find when I finally got to do the like Tyrone Taylor uh, California baseball is like as much information as I got about him searches is that he's very into mindfulness and meditation and I can use influences oh. like that in my life. So I thought like that's somebody who I need to have a beer with somebody who's going to be talking to me about mindfulness and meditation. So he's an outfielder with the Brewers. It's been a crowded area. They've had a pretty hot outfield for a while, so there hasn't been a lot of room for Tyrone. Uh, The last year's outfield was, you know, Christian Yelich, your former boyfriend, Lorenzo Cain, my former guy, and JBJ, Jackie Bradley Jr., your former guy from the Red Sox. And so that, that made things a little bit crowded. And before that, there was Ryan Braun. 
So Tyrone's been spending a lot of time in the minors. 21, he did get some play time because, again, I guess I guess I've got this theme this year because of injuries. And Jackie Bradley Jr. just didn't make that transition to the National League very well. I'm I'm really happy he's back with the Red Sox, and I hope he gets um to improve back there. But it led to a little bit of playtime for Tyrone. He did pretty well. He'd been hanging around in the minors since 2012. Second round draft in 12 out of high school. He had committed to California State Fullerton, uh, but decided, you know, second round to take it. He also played football in high school and was apparently pretty good. He was a running back safety. And he, in a little article I saw about his senior in high school is that he had rushed for 20 touchdowns and received another 10. I thought that was just an impressive, like for a guy who ended up playing baseball, the stat for football. So drafted in 12, didn't debut until September of 2019. So that's a pretty long haul. Also, at that point, he didn't think he was going to be coming up that year. He didn't make the September call-ups. So he actually went home after the minors to, to Arizona, was with his family. He applied to work at FedEx for the offseason because he's a minor league player, and that's what minor league players do, and went with his family to visit people, his part of his family in California. And he got the call up there. So he's like, well, some guys get to celebrate like in, you know, in the dugout with your friends at AAA. I got to celebrate with my family. It was kind of cool. He had to turn <laughs> out that turn down that FedEx job. But, uh, you know, he kept it as something like maybe he could go back to. He sort of understands that minor league, like you got to make money when you can make money. And that's what you do in your off season. He in 2020, of course, fucked up year. He was on the roster most of the time at the alt site. He played 22 games. So how did he deal with it? Like, this is a long time in the minors, you know, sitting around in the outside. Like, what do you do to get your, your brain, your attitude ready for it? And so I've got a couple of quotes here that he said, I don't, I don't add pressure to myself. It's just baseball. I've been playing since I was a kid. So I just go out there and enjoy myself. And I'm thankful for the opportunities that I've been getting. And I'm just going to continue to enjoy myself out there. And I just thought that was such a great attitude about it, especially being up and down for so long. And then there's also some tragedy involved that he lost a friend at the 17 Las Vegas concert shooting. And I Jeez. remember when that happened. And here we go. with I've got apparently a country music theme with my baseball boyfriends now because it was a country concert. But his quote of his reaction after that tragedy he said, I could have been reckless after that and been upset about it and carried it on, or I could choose to live with her in mind like she would want me to. That's why I enjoy myself. That's why I have this perspective on life, and I'm just thankful to be here. And I'm tearing up. Like just to, to I just admire that so much. I don't think I could do it. I just totally admire his perspective, yeah. his ability to, to you know, hang on to that. And I'm hoping that for 22, that he will get some playtime. JBJ is now at the Red Sox. I know they got Hunter Renfro, but still there's, you know, I don't know. It seems like there's a little bit of, of room to move things around in the outfield. And the good thing is that it seems like he's got the approval of Craig Council, the manager, right? So Council, the last thing I'm going to say about him is Council's quote, which was the thing about Tyrone is that he unfailingly approaches every situation, not just in baseball, but I think he does in life the right way. He approaches it with a great attitude. You can't throw him off track. That's a great way to end up successful. So baseball boyfriend pick. I think I'm a, a big fan of Craig Council and how mm. he talks about his players and talks to yes. his players. Because a lot of what I've been reading is like, yeah, this is, it's not just, um, uh, just like trite little things that everybody says about everybody. Oh, kid works hard or whatever, right. but yeah. You're they, right. You're right. Like that's a really good point. Like those sentences go way beyond like the usual. Yeah. He's putting his all into it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Hey, um, I'm picking an old guy. Uh, oh, cool. <laughs> I'm going with Jace Peterson who, so we talked about journey a second ago. We're talking about a journey man. Now <laughs> uh, this guy has the craziest path through the majors. He's 31. He's listed as second base, but um, he's definitely has played in many, many places. So he was born in Lake Charles, Louisiana and lives there still. He was a three sport guy in high school, baseball, basketball, and wow. all-star twice, um, all, I'm sorry, all-state twice in football in high school. He was so good in football that he went to McNeese State for football and also played baseball. 
Oh, that's crazy. All right. You totally went up to me there. That's very good. <laughs> I was staying quiet. I didn't want yeah. to make you know point of that, but yeah, I got you there. But um <laughs> but yep. he was also like, you know, that good at baseball that he was an all-conference shortstop and he was a scholar athlete of the year, which we both appreciate the, you know, those smart guys. Um, he was drafted in 2011 in the supplemental first round by the Padres. And then he from here to like now he's been up and down, up and down, up and down so many times in every possible way you can go up and down with teams. So um, in like through 2014, actually 2014 is when he came up to the Padres and went back and forth and back and forth, cup of coffee, back down, cup of coffee, back down many times. Ended up at the going to Atlanta um, with Max Fried and others for the Justin Upton, Upton and others trade, right? Mm -hmm. So he, he, goes, oh, wow. he goes to Atlanta. His first home run was a grand slam for Atlanta versus Miami oh in, my God. in May 2015, which is kind of a nice way to like, you know. First home run grand slam. That's crazy. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So, but then, you know, he kind of had this roller coaster thing. In 2018, he signed a minor, minor league contract with the Yankees. Oh, no. He played, <laughs> but don't worry, it didn't last long. He played okay. three games for them in April, ended up DFA'd. Fuck the Yankees. And the O's picked him up off of waivers at Yay, the end of Oreo. April. So we're, we're talking a lot about the O's and the Atlanta team on a day that we're not talking about <laughs> the, the O's right. or Atlanta. But, but here we go. So O's get him, and then that was like 2018. They re-signed him to another minor league contract in 2019, but released him. Get this. They released him in July on July 16th and re-signed him on July 19th. Why? Why? Why was I, I don't know. And then they DFA'd him in September. Wow. I mean, we're what? talking like, like I had to keep looking at these records. Like, is this, can this possibly be true? Well, right? the Orioles like, are full of mystery. Well, <laughs> but, yeah, but that this happened with the Padres. This happened with, wow. with Atlanta. Yeah. So then he, they DFA him in September, and then for 2020, they sign him again for a minor league contract, and they call him up in August 2020 when they DFA Brock Holt, right? Hmm. And so I'm sorry, no, we're in Milwaukee now. It, I'm sorry, that was when we went to Milwaukee. See, there's I was so it was so complicated. Yeah, yeah. So left, finally left the O's, and then for 2020, signed the minor league deal with Milwaukee, and that's when he came up for Brock Holt in August okay. when he got DFA'd, but then he got non-tendered at the end of the season. Only to sign another minor league contract with the Brewers in 2021, wow. the same team. Still, so in 2021, he got called up for Colton Wong when he was injured, and then Triple A, yep, Triple A back in May, and then back up in June. And but That's then, then he was a keeper. Then he was a keeper because all of a sudden, all the things that had him going back and forth because his offense was like crazy roller coastery kicked in. So everything. Every article about him from like June 21 on was surprising, hmm. surprising offense, you know, and uh, shocking and welcome. And like, no one saw this coming and he basically kicked ass for the rest of the 2021 season. So he played second base for Colton Wong. He played third base when Eduardo Escobar was out. He played outfield for Tyrone Tyler when he was out and just surprised everybody with his bat. So right before the lockout, he did sign a one-year contract with the Brewers, not a minor league one, but an actual one with the Brewers. So for once he's starting again in major leagues, if the season ever starts. And hmm. and I know you appreciate this because you mentioned this just minutes ago. He has pitched twice. Yay. Um, once, once for actually once um, in 2018 for the Orioles, but the most recent one was in huh. September for for Milwaukee, they were winning in a blowout over the Pirates. And Craig Council says, we took a team vote. Jace got 14 <laughs> votes. Nobody else got any. <laughs> so, That's fair. Yeah. He didn't do great, but it didn't matter because they yeah, were winning well, by like 14 runs. Happens. So it was all right. But and you know, I mentioned before that he was from and still lives in Lake Charles. Lake Charles and that whole area was just devastated by Hurricane Laura in 2020. So through Athletes Doing Good Foundation has done a lot of fundraising oh, wow. to help restore Lake Charles and the communities around it. He also is part of this foundation called Cast for Kids, which hosts fishing and boating events across the country for children with special needs so they can get outside, you know, get oh. outside and have like, you know, recreation on the water that's accessible to them. And that was pretty cool because, you know, I'm like, okay, you know, when you see somebody's an outdoorsman and that involves like, you know, fishing and hunting or any of those things. I'm like, okay, that's less to talk about. But you know what? If you're going to use these powers for good, I'm okay. This last thing is for you. 
this last one is for you. He is married to Brianna Pugh, who um, is sister to Mallory Pugh, the USA soccer player. And so, uh, yeah, so these are the people, my friends, who introduced Mallory Pugh to Dansby Swanson, who are now Oh, engaged. they introduced Mar Mallory to Dansby? Yes, wow. yeah, because, because Jace was with the, with the Atlanta team. Wow. At that time, and yeah, so they they set up Dansby with uh, his sister in law, with uh, yeah. with Jason's sister in law Mallory, and um, it is the rest is history because they are now engaged. So how about that? Yeah, oh, that I was picked my, him just so I could tell you that my last year's <laughs> happy happy Atlanta pick. I really liked. He's a fun guy, and also you know it's because he's the boyfriend of Mallory Pugh, who's pretty amazing. So it wasn't Very Mallory cool. one of the people that made us say, "Can we just like pick the yep. girlfriends?" Yeah, for sure. Oh my god, she's so cool. She's so cool. And so that's that's a very happy ending to that one right there. Next week, Houston and the Dodgers. I'm smiling. You about are this. smiling in a right. I have to smile or a weep right. kind of way. Is that right? Yeah, I'm going to say that we actually have a couple of really lovely listeners who are Houston and Dodgers fans. So you guys, you know, if you want to reach out to us and give us some friendly suggestions, please, please go ahead. Actually, I actually, I have a, an idea from our Houston fan already now that I think about it. Hmm. hmm. Maybe I have my Houston pick. So fine. Yeah, that might be fun. Fine. But you know, I don't. So feel free to send those along <laughs> and maybe potty mouth will share that or maybe she'll make me, make me do my own damn homework. <laughs> I might. I might. All right. It is our short international corner this week. And we're going over to Taiwan with the CPBL who is in spring training and they're actually going to have baseball this year. So that's exciting. I am definitely renewing my CPBL TV subscription. And I suggest that you do too. If you have any any questions about how to do that, give give us a buzz or a, a, a text or whatever, direct message, those things. Contact us. The CPBL is going to happen. They actually have their very first ever collective bargaining agreement. So CPBL Stats, which is at GoCPBL on Twitter, is the fabulous source for anything CPBL. And he recently gave out the information that the union and management, after three years of negotiations, during which they played baseball, may I add. Um, I hear that's possible if you choose to do that. You can do that. They came up with an agreement. The main point of theirs, interestingly, though, is in basically dealing with players' obligations to play in international tournaments, like, say, World Baseball Classic or the Olympics, or like anybody who's chosen for Team Taiwan, giving them some protections. So it guarantees that they get paid, and it guarantees that they get insurance also. So oh, nice. if, if hurt and it affects their career... It's going gonna, it's gonna to protect them from that. So that's a good thing. The other exciting CPBL news is that there's a sixth team. So when I fell in love with tiny Taiwanese baseball folks, there were four teams, and it was still wonderful. Last year, the Dragons added as the fifth team, which is just awkward. Like a fifth wheel is a rough thing. So I think number six to like round things up out a lot is a really good thing. I'm not sure what the timeline is on it, but the Taiwan Steel Group is going to perhaps be collaborating with the Japanese corporation. Again, follow GoCPBL on Twitter. And I just think that it's it's going to work out better for playoffs regardless. So watch that Taiwanese baseball. I had talked about World Baseball Classic before, which is my very, very favorite international tournament. And mostly because the rules are a little bit more like relaxed, flexible about the country that you can play for. Different countries have different guidelines. And I think it's generally supposed to be whoever can qualify for citizenship, which definitely varies country, country sure. for country. But um, it turns out that Team Philippines could have both Dusty Baker's son and Tim Tebow playing for them whenever the World Baseball Class Classic happens. Now, caveat, I don't know when the fuck this is going to happen. It was supposed to happen in 21, which obviously it didn't. Um, and the 20 and the, the qualifiers were supposed to be happening in 2020, which they also didn't and still haven't. So the website basically be, says postpone indefinitely due to the pandemic and who the fuck knows when it's going to happen again. I really hope it does because this would be fun. It would be very fun to see Tim Philippines with Dusty Baker's son and Tim Tebow. Now, why? Why, you may ask? Well, Tim Tebow was actually born in the Philippines. 
His parents, oh. surprising nobody, were Baptist mis- missionaries. Shocking. And, and so he was born there and lived there the first three years of his life. Now, on the other hand, Dusty Baker's son, the way that he gets in is that apparently his mother is of Philippine heritage, and she is the smart cookie who reached out to the Philippine baseball organization and said, hey, I think my son qualifies this for this because of his lineage. And they said, yes, matter of fact, he does. And also another talking point for him is that he already has World Series experience. Well, how does he have that? Because he's uh, currently playing at UC Berkeley. Well, in 2002, and I, I do believe actually I told this story on the on the podcast earlier, he was the bat boy for when his dad, Dusty Baker, was managing the Giants in the World Series. And there's a very famous scene of when he went out to get the bat while the ball was still in play and there were two runners, not even not one, but two, like rounding, rounding and coming toward home. And one of the, thank God, one of the players who was in the near vicinity swooped him up and saved him from being like bashed into by a couple of players. But yes, he has World Series experience. So <laughs> that makes him qualified to play for the World Baseball Classic. So those guys being on the team right now is still in the realm of super fun fact that we hope comes true. Exactly. Yeah. Who knows if it's going to happen? Who knows when the World Baseball Classic is going to happen? I really hope it's, it's so soon much because fun. it's so much fun. But for sure. Yeah. For sure. Hey, so um, what do we got going on this week? I mean, I got to do some boyfriend research. Um, I got to cross my fingers and hope we get a CBA agreement. Um, that's that's me. Yeah, I'm with you on that. That's pretty much it. And um, taking painkillers. <laughs> yeah, I'm so sorry but, about that. I'm, I'm really gonna be very sorry about that. That. <laughs> that ain't great. So much that fun. Ain't great. So much fun. I'll, but you know what? The IPA works really well. I don't know if I really want to transfer or not, or just well, you you, you do know. you. Um, you don't have to go anywhere. And that's nice. And yeah, I, I know I know that Mr. Potty Mouth will <laughs> watch right. out for you, so you don't get you know silly. So you'll be all right. That's true. Well, I will get it, silly. You'll be but safe. You'll be safe while being silly. Right. Yes. safe and silly. <laughs> safe and silly. That's my oh new, that's my, my new tagline. Potty oh mouth. my god. Safe and silly. Um, did I tell you that my sister used the phrase "I digress" or or "I drink." And I'm like, that's, that's the motto for the podcast. We di- digress or we drink. Actually, for us, it's more I of an like and. That. We digress that's and pretty... we drink. Because we're doing that right now. Yes, we, we digress <laughs> very and second. we drink. All right. Oh, my God. Okay, our friends out there. If, you, if you're new to the show, please feel free to go back and listen to some past episodes and get caught up on what you have missed in No Crying in Baseball. If you have friends or family that you think would like to listen to us talk about baseball, please let them know. We would love it if you left us a review or a rating. And boy, we would love for you to reach out and find us on social media. Yep. You can find us on Twitter at NCIB Podcast. This is going really well. Facebook and Instagram, No Crying in B-Ball. And also Patreon slash No Crying in B-Ball if you want to just throw us a little extra appreciation and make sure that this podcast keeps on going and going. We would love it if you did. Thank you all so much for that. Hey, make sure you get that booster shot if you haven't gotten it yet. I'm sure y'all have. I believe in you. I'm sure y'all have. Fight the man. It's the right thing to do. And until next week, say goodnight, Potty Mouth. Good night, Potty Mouth. I didn't record any of that, so now I'm fucked. All right. Now we're recording. Now we're recording. Okay. Hooray for us.